0: for future episodes as well will i listen to your suggestion there's only one way to find out patreon.com slash meet pod bye welcome to meet meet the roadrunner podcast where we go through the albums of Roadrunner Records with the artists who made them and the musicians they influenced. Let's roll! <laughs> what up, what up, Meepsters? It's Episode 54, and what roads we will be running. Sepultura's 1998 album, Against. We'll be talking to Andreas Kisser from Sepultura about the events leading up to Against and making it, and what an important role it plays in the career of the band. This is somewhat of a sequel to other episodes, really, not only because it's the literal sequel to Roots by Sepultura, which you can find in the archives, but the album was produced by Howard Benson, who we're also going to be talking to. You may remember Howard Benson being discussed at length on the Dislocated Styles episode. He also produced Theory of a Dead Man for Roadrunner, as well as Blackstone Cherry, but uh, I haven't done an episode on them yet, so don't worry about them till I get to it. He's also done hundreds of other albums you love in, like, six you thought could have probably been better. Howard is known, though, for his huge rock hits like Huba Stank, P.O.D., Puddle of Mud, My Chemical Romance, Papa Roach, you know, things like that. But, but those all actually came after against, because the events of making this album would change his life and career. So, uh, you know, Against is an interesting album for me in the canon of Howard Benson because I feel like it's kind of at a crossroads of your career. And maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me. But it seems like this is kind of like the 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 pinnacle point where you become more of like almost like a modern rock producer versus you were doing a lot of, you know, heavy metal stuff. But of course, you know, Sepultura is heavy metal, too. And I think maybe the Bay is starting to be built around now, or maybe you're moving into that. So on top of it just being a pivotal moment for Sepultura. You know,
1: I'll tell you why I got the project. The manager, Todd Singerman, managed Zebrahead. And Zebrahead was a band that I had found and got signed to Columbia. And he also managed Motorhead at the time.
0: But Zebrahead, you seem to go to for a lot of things. They're doing background vocals on here. Ed does drums on the... Dislocated Styles album, you get them to do the Lemmy Motor and uh, her Sandman cover. They're like your 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 hired guns for whatever you need.
1: Well, you know why? Because at the time, we had a Bond Zebrahead. Like that's another story of Zebrahead. But like they, I went down to clubs. Remember Club Three Six Nine? I, I do. Yeah, and Randy Cash worked there. He was a like Perciero, whatever that word is. You know, like he was a guy who could find bands and do. You know, I would always go to him. Hey, what's hot? What's not? You know, he found Wank and suction and all these bands that never end up doing anything but i love the bands and i went down to 369 to see suction and there is you know i love suction i tried to get suction signed and i'm with the lawyer jim Zumwalt, and this guy comes up to me this this kid alley with a tape and it's got three songs on it check swing and something else right and he gives it to me and he goes, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm really into, you know, like your records and everything like that. And I was like, yeah, you know, another fucking band. <laughs> so we're driving back in, our, in the car with a cassette machine. I put the cassette in and I hear this song, Check, right? And I hear this guy rapping through the verses. And then I hear this chorus, Justin, come in, you know, with a big fucking chorus, you know, like, like lights out chorus. And I turned to the lawyer and I went, dude, fuck suction. This is the band we got to work. With. These guys should write songs, you know. And I got them signed to Columbia. I got them signed. Tim Divine to sign them, and we. That's and and so we had a bond, you know. what I mean, like, like I got did their first two albums or the first three albums. So and I always considered them sort of my like lucky charm because after those guys, my career really did take. Like that was like a record that got on K Rock, LMTV, and you know, less than Jake heard it and hired me, and Pod heard it. And you know there was it. It had some notoriety. For me, I had actually no notoriety at that point. You know, even Sepultura really didn't like. I mean, it was cool and everything, but it wasn't on the radio. You know, and you know how A and R guys are. They're like, "Well, you did Sepultura, that's great, but anybody could do Sepultura because doesn't it get on the radio. Why well, do we care about his radio? <laughs> you know." And so, like, that's where Roadrunner ended up with with you know, you know, what do you call it? with Chad's band? You know, like once you get radio, Nickelback, that's it. That's all they want. You know, and it's like this kind of like drug radio. So, you know, that's when I started getting hired for radio records, and a lot of that was Zebrahead. We They weren't as big as they could have been, but I think a lot of that was just the mixture of, like, the Columbia was not that cool at the time. They they just weren't. I think if Zebrahead had been on a roadrunner, they would actually have actually done really well.
0: So Todd Singerman at the time is managing both Zebrahead and Sepultura, so it's his idea to actually bring you on to produce against?
1: So managing both those bands, he thought of me to produce. And I think the band was also at a crossroads with losing their singer. And I don't think a whole lot of guys were wanting to produce them at the time because they they were just weren't sure. what We didn't even have a singer, by the way, when I went down to say Apollo. I didn't even know what was going on. You know, honestly, it was kind of work for me. I didn't really know anything about Sepultura. They were a band. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even like the music that much. It was like I was doing like I wanted to go more pop, like the Zebrahead stuff and sort of more into like real records that could sell on pop radio. And when they played me the stuff, I said to Todd, I said, I just don't think I'm the right guy for this project. I mean, I don't even know where there's verses or choruses or it's like all over the place. And like they play like so like detuned. I didn't know what was going on, but I was kind of like Todd said, I need a producer. I really need some help. I really got to do this. And I was like, all right, OK, OK. I said, so let's go to the studio. You know. It was only one catch. I said, "What?" He goes, "You got to go to Brazil." I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, like I'd never really been to Brazil or wanted to go to Brazil or <laughs> any of that stuff. So, I I kind of like sucked it up and said, "All right, I'll go to Brazil." And let me tell you something. I that was a, that was more than the record. My experience in Brazil was life-changing for me. Because I had never seen that much, you know, wealth and poverty existing in the same literal zip code than I, I did there. And I, I was never surrounded by people that were inside, like, like the, the, the guy Carlo, who was the engineer, he was living in a, um, in a compound. His parents were, I think they were diplomats, so he had a lot of money. And so the studio was kind of a self, like it was his own studio in a compound in, say, Apollo, surrounded by uh, Rottweilers, surrounded by another wall, surrounded by, like, like, there was so much security that when I, I remember I landed at the airport, and I think one of the R guys met me, and I remember driving down the freeway. It was parallel to the river. The traffic was so insane. It took us hours to get, like, 10 miles to the studio, and there were poor people, really poor struggling people on the side of the road trying to sell us. Well, I've never been around anything like this. Right. And I get to the studio we have to go through gate after gate. We finally get in there and it's this beautiful studio with tons of acreage, but you could tell it's, there's super wealthy people and outside the studio are unbelievably poor, like to the point where like even the poorest of, of, of United States isn't this poor, you know, they're living in cardboard shacks, you know? So I'm like sort of taken by the whole experience more than, more than anything. And, you know, we get down there and, and, you know, I go in the studio and I remember the first night we took some pictures and we had some laughs and I tried to understand Portuguese, which I never did at the point, At you know, and and <laughs> the first night I'm sleeping in there and there's a bunch of, the guy goes to me, don't leave the studio, don't leave the accommodations, uh, which were at the same place at the studio, because we have to let the Rottweilers out at night. Because they protect us from all the, poor, the people that are going like to try and come in and steal everything. So at nighttime, I have my, there's no air conditioning because we're at 5,000 feet, and we happen to have a very hot week. So I have my window open, right? And I hear at 3 in the morning this growling dog, this dog that is right? – And it's, there's three Wattweilers, Leil- Leil- and one was called Mussolini, Hitler, and Stalin. That's the name of the three Wattwilers, right? <laughs> okay. I was so petrified and fucking scared right? And we all smoked some weed that day. I remember you, know, you had to smoke weed with these guys, right? So I smoked a little bit of weed. And like I'm, I'm like shaking, going, what the fuck am I doing here? You know? Like, I don't even know their music that well. I remember they had a great record with Ross Robinson before mine. And I'm down here at the behest of the manager, and the band needs a producer, and I'm looking for work. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm, you know, so the next day we get in the studio, and probably the most game-changing day of my life happens that day. I'm looking around the studio and we have a Sony, a, a Tudor A80 uh, machine, right? It's a piece of shit record, you know, tape machine. You can't punch in, You can't punch out. Every, there's too much delay between the tape heads. But on the desk is a computer. And the computer, you know, Carlo was really good. He goes, Yeah, yeah, my parents got me this. I owe this money. I bought it. It's called Pro Tools. And I said, Oh, well, I don't want to use that. I mean, I'm, I never even heard of it. You know, like, <laughs> I was like, fuck that shit. I'm going on tape. I remember sitting down at the computer and we recorded uh, Igor's drums in and he said, oh, watch what happens. I'm going to leave the hard drives out tonight and the gardeners, the gardeners do the landscaping at night. So they'll come. We pay them to come in the studio, smoke weed and edit drums. And in the morning, they'll leave a hard drive on the step and all the drums are edited. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I never even heard of anything like this. Like it was like magic, you know. And I remember the next day I sat by that computer and I went, This is the future. This is it. This is like this is what I've been waiting my whole life for is to have more control of these projects. Is to like not have to wait for tape machines and not have to wait for artists and not have to ask people if they can edit a drum track or not have to do this and that. I learned that computer shit so fast because I'm an engineer, I have an aerospace degree. So I picked up on it and by the time I was done Sepultura, I had bought my own system and I was off to the races. And I think that contributed to my, like, I think that was the number one thing besides being a good song guy that contributed to my, my career turning out the way it did was discovering Pro Tools on that trip. There's no doubt that it was game changing, you know? And I don't think those guys realized how game changing it was because they didn't really care what we were recording in, you know, but I was just looking at anything. Oh my God. Like this is amazing.
0: I don't know if people really understand that in '98 nobody used Pro Tools yet. Like maybe 2001, it kind of became a bigger was, thing.
1: Let me say something. I came back, I, like I, I felt like I found God, you know. <laughs> and I came back and I started using it on the next Zebrahead record and Less Than Jake and all these albums I was doing. And 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 people were like, "We're not working in a computer. Fuck you. We're going to hire this person. We're going to hire that person." And I felt like I was an outcast almost, but I knew that I was on the right track because the pro- I could do them for cheaper. I could do them faster. I could take singers that couldn't sing and use this new thing that someone sent me during the Lesson Jake record. I had Pro Tools. I think I did that after I did Sepultura. I was later in 98, and I was in Gainesville, and this guy called me up from, from Digital Design and goes, Oh, I got this, uh, this, this floppy disk that this guy gave me from a company called Antares, and it's called AutoTune. Can I send it to you? And I said, Yeah, yeah, fine. You know, by that time you could call Pro Tools up or DigiDesign. They'd answer the phone. Actually, you know, they'd like, oh, oh hello. You know, like, <laughs> oh, can I speak to to Sam? Yeah, Sam, it's Howard again. You know, like my RQs went down. What the fuck do I do? Like everything's crashing. You know, because it was just very developmental at that point. And he said that these guys use this particular technology for the government or something, and they, they adapted it to use it to tune vocals. Let me tell you something. If you think Pro Tools was a game changer. That was a game changer. That, like, now, in, in Sepultura, it wasn't that usable because, you know, there wasn't that many melodies. But on the Less Than Jake record, listen to Less Than Jake. I mean, all of a sudden, everyone's in tune. Everything's timed out. All the drums are bang on, you know. And that's their biggest selling record, Hello Rock Rockview. But, but people still wouldn't hire me. You know, the big artists wouldn't hire me. They're like, tape, tape, tape. You know, gotta have tape. This stuff sounds like shit. It's gotta be tape. So when I contacted uh, P.O.D. to do their record, which was my first really big record, they didn't want to use it, but their A&R guy, John Rubley, very forward-thinking guy, he goes, I think Howard's onto something. And they hired me to do that record, and it went platinum, and then I was off to the races after that. And all of it really because I was in the computer probably six years before anybody else was. But I was in it way back, and a lot of it was because of Carlo down at that studio in Say Apollo. And so, you know, they didn't have really great regular analog gear, but they had a computer and it recorded stuff. And he had already come up with the, hey, let's give the drums to the gardeners to edit, you know, (laughs) which now we do all the time. We give it to a digital editor. But at the time, they were just a bunch of gardeners that just he taught them how to edit. So, you know, that was a pretty pivotal moment. I think that's kind of added to the sound of that record, too. I think the record sort of was more of a transitional record for them too. not only in the fact that they have a new singer, but it's done in Pro Tools. That record so yeah there's a lot of things that happened there and honestly i just was not a fan of the band but after i finished the record i really i think it added so much to my knowledge base that i kind of like all of a sudden could do bands like pod and i could do bands that were heavier bands and bands that were just sort of like new metal bands and things because sepultura was so they first of all they were tuned down really low and their music was just so progressive that I wasn't used to that at the time. I was used to like verse B section chorus, verse B section chorus, but I sort of became a little bit more enamored with like, okay, it doesn't have to be verse B section chorus, not everything, you know, look how good, well these guys do. And you know what? Derek was so important because he came in and he was so like into it, you know, like he, I loved, in fact, we had a night that we were the only two Americans in the project. You know, we went out to a bar one night and, and, Sepultura did not want to leave the bar, and the bartenders wanted them to leave. Right, and you know the Portuguese—they get—they get—they get mad fast. You know, <laughs> so like there's this like all of a sudden they're pulling out like it looks like they're going to pull guns out, and it looks like Sepultura is going to get into a fight with them. And me and Derek ducked under the fucking table like as fast as we could. We were like, "What?" You know, like like these guys. And then all of a sudden everybody was apologizing to each other. you know, like really emotional and everything. And I was like, wow, Derek, 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 deserves a lot of credit. He's going to have, he's got a lot to deal with here. <laughs> a lot of shit. So I don't know. It just, was one of those And by the way, they never stopped recording. Like we, we, that record was so many minutes of recording. I think they went to Kyoto. They went to Japan to record it. It never, they didn't know the, they didn't know the meaning of ex, like, we, there was no budget. You know what I mean? Like we just spent whatever we wanted to spend. There's, you know, because they were Sepultura, they had already sold so many records that, you know, they would go to Roadrunner and go, yeah, we're going to go to, we're going to fly to Japan and record the uh, Kyoto, or not the Kyoto, the uh, Kodo. You're going to record the Kodo. I'm like, we are? That's a fuckload of money. We're going to fly to Japan? I said, why do you guys go to Japan without me? I mean, just record them. And that's what's on that one song, you know, with the Kodo on it, which, by the way, I love that song. So it's grown to be one of my kind of favorite records to listen to because this thing's crazy. You know, it's certainly not the kind of records I made after that, like pop rock records. But yeah, it wasn't like I came upon that project honestly to be honest. I wasn't that in I didn't really know who they were. I was kinda of drafted. I was like a draft choice. Like, well nobody else will do it, Howard will do it. And I'm like, Okay, I'll do it. So that's how it happened really. So I kind of came in there. My my biggest contribution honestly was I got this shit done. You know, and I got it done. So I always tell my guys, my my young producer guys Half the reason they hire you is to finish the fucking thing, you know, like get it done. Because if somebody doesn't say get it done, it never gets done. Those guys are unbelievable musicians and it's a muso kind of band, you know what I I mean? Like they, they exist in that world of hardcore, progressive rock, metal, whatever you want to call it. And all that stuff is important. I sort of gravitated away from that after that band into more song oriented stuff, like real hit songs. You know, like I wanted big number one rock singles. I didn't I didn't care about the rest of that stuff anymore. It, like that's just where my head was at. You know, I grew up listening to pop, pop music in Philadelphia. I never listened to anything that was like like, corn or sepal, that kind of stuff I just, was, it wasn't even in my playlist. It wasn't in my record collection. I don't think I had one record that was a, a record like that in my record collection. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But the one thing I did know is I could do it. Like, I wasn't worried about that. I know I have, I mean, I'm, I I knew I was talented enough to do it. You know, it's just that I had to get my head into it when I got there. And when I, you know what it is, is, a lot of it's getting to know the personalities and you have to, like, honestly, the greatest guys in the world. And Igor at the time was, we just had a great time, you know, and I wanted to make sure that they had a great time making the record, that they understood that I was there just to guide them. I wanted them to make their record. A few songs I had a lot of input on, like Choke and the songs that I thought were singles. You know, the songs that really, like I thought, okay, here's a chorus. There's actually a chorus here, you know, and there's like a bridge and like something to the listeners. And you can see it in the results because that, I think, is their biggest streaming song from that record. But a lot of the other stuff is just really long, you know, and hollowed to tune way down. And it's just like, you know. That kind of stuff. So, I think that might have been the last record I made at that level of that kind of like tuning and stuff. But it really, for my resume, it was awesome to have it on my resume. Total cred record for me.
0: Thanks so much to Howard, a legend of my CD wallet. Maybe one day I'll interrogate him about DepSwah and PAX 217. Remember them? They're like the uh, Christian 311. Had a song called am anyway let's really set the table for against okay put on your bib because you don't want to get sauce on your white shirt after labor day no less in 1996 sepultura releases their divisive but absolutely hugely successful album roots with ross robinson they're all over mtv radio and touring the world but in the midst of that world tour conflict arises and vocalist max Cavalera leaves the band and those events between the success of Roots and the exit of Max is what forms the monster that is Against. So like I said, this episode builds on other ones. One of the people who auditioned to be Sepultura's new frontman is Jorge Rosado, who went in detail on his experience on the El Nino episode. Against is also mixed by Bill Kennedy, and you may remember that name because on the Downer episode, Aaron Silberman breaks into his studio and steals the Downer recordings from him like a lunatic. And what do all these bands have in common? r rep Mike Gitter, a friend to his bands and an associate of criminals. Against a Sepultura's first album with vocalist Derek Green, who is still in the band to this day. Before Derek was found, though, many other considerations were made, including Davide from Orange 9mm, Phil from Machine Head, Chuck Billy from Testament, but most interestingly to me, Andreas Kisser himself once considered himself for the position. So let's hear from one of my favorite guitars of all time on how this juggernaut was brought to life. The sound of it overall is, is really interesting to me compared to what came before it and after it. You know, this is the first album with Derek Green, but Derek wasn't, I don't think, originally going to be the vocalist, right? You were going to take over on vocals first?
2: well that that was the idea at least you know i i had to try it you know uh we had to go through a, a process you know because uh max left the band at the at the end of 96 we had a japanese tour an australian tour going and stuff we had to cancel everything that was very harmful for us you know like business wise because we didn't have any manager we didn't have any singer we didn't have the trust from the label you know i think uh it was really Really shaky moment for us, but we took our time. You know, we didn't go after a singer right away. You know, we had really to embrace and develop and uh, the, the the new situation. You know, we we went to San Diego where Igor was living. We had a room, uh, rehearsal room there, and we didn't play any old note. You know, we start right away writing the against what we supposed n- the end up being against. You know, like writing ideas. I was writing. Of course, I always wrote lyrics, you know, for Sepultura since I joined the band. And this is something that I continue doing more, actually, because Max wrote a lot of stuff as well, of course. But uh, this time I was by myself, basically, you know, but uh, it was a great challenge. And I had to to be the first try to be the singer, you know. We decided to go as a trio. We thought about changing the name. We thought about keeping the name. We thought about moving away from music and start a new life altogether and everything came to our minds. The relationship with World Winner was weird because we were a trio. We made this demo. Uh, Case Wessels went to San Diego and he, he he hated the demo. He told, oh, Sepultura is gone. You know, this is, sounds like crap and shit. <laughs> he suspended the contract for a few months. And then um, we, we started to put our shit together, really. But that, that um, process was totally necessary, you know, for me to go through that I went to get vocal lessons and, and all that stuff you know really to to see the new possibilities that we have in front of us and try to prepare ourselves the best that we could you know and find the right people you know especially management that could have to deal with the record label with uh, everything else and stuff and uh, and at the end of 1997, we started looking for a, a singer you know so it, 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 it was like an eight to nine months process that us as a trio trying out the stuff, having our contract suspended. And then we found, you know, Todd Singerman that helped us find a new producer for the album, a new vocalist. And and then when we found Eric, the the, the things are starting really to flow quicker. We realized that we needed somebody else there as an as a other member to bring uh, extra stuff, you know, extra ideas that we could develop a new Sepultura from there, you know. And, and I guess it was a result of that, you know. It was very confusing. But at the same time, we embraced that confusion. <laughs> you know, we, we didn't run away from the confusion. We embraced, okay, this is our time. Uh, this is very confusing, chaotic. Everybody seems to abandon sepulture. That's why the title against, you know, the, we, we felt like swimming against the tide, you know, when you have a river flowing and you're there like trying to, to go against everybody else, you know, and that's what we felt. So that's very meaningful title and, it kept the band together, you know, I think that's the whole achievement of Against, you know, that really kept Sepultura alive and it was great.
0: So did you already have the album essentially written by the time you're looking for a vocalist because you're kind of filling in as yeah. the vocalist in the meantime?
2: Not 100 percent, but we had, a, I don't know, 70, 80 percent of, of the album really written like Old Earth and Rumors and, you know, Choke. Choke, we send Choke to for the tryouts for singles around the world. I actually have two really special recordings besides Derek Sting and Choke uh, with uh, Chuck Billy from Testament and uh Phil DeMel from uh X-Machine Head as well. You know, they tried out to be the, the the singer and stuff, and it's very interesting. You know, we didn't want it to, to to play roots or refuse resist with somebody else just to for for the, I mean, anyone could do that with all the respect, you know. I mean, it was there, Max has a style, a lot of people wanted to look like him, like Max. And a uh, sound like Max and stuff, and and we were going, you know, going towards something very different. And um, our intention was really to to show a new music, so to see what this guy could do, because I, I wasn't interested in on roots. On like I said, you know, his performance on roots we worked later. You know, <laughs> that's something else. But you know, we wanted to to see a future. We want somebody that could bring something interesting for us to work. Uh, starting up to this point and, and really develop Sepultura in new uh, ways, which was the spirit of the band since ever, you know? Even with the Cavalera brothers in the band, we, we were always looking for something new and trying to explore new ideas and new instruments and stuff. And, and with the Gans, we just have a, a, a different challenge, you know? But uh, nevertheless, was the same type of feeling of going after new things and finding out new ways of being Sepultura, you know?
0: You mentioned, of course, Chuck Billy and Phil that you tried out. You also tried out Jorge Rosado of the band Marauder.
2: Jorge, yeah. Jorge was great, man. It was really cool. Jorge was really important. And like Davide as well. You know, Davide was a guy that uh, was Derek's friends. He was our first choice. Uh, it was funny because Davide was in San Diego to practice with us. And it was the exact same day and time that my son was born. <laughs> oh, wow. Johann, you know, so I had to leave the rehearsal. We never practiced with him. I have to go to Phoenix. You know, my son was born and et cetera. And, uh... But uh, Davide made us uh, sure or certain that we needed somebody else, you know, because it was really cool to have him around and discuss new ideas, to have somebody fresh, you know, outside all that soap opera that we are going through with roadrunner and managers and all that crap you know so uh um, and then Jorge came and and Jorge did great you know technically great voice great vocal you know he did a, an amazing performance on rumors for instance that we tried out you know before we record and we actually used some of his ideas on <laughs> on we stole some ideas of Jorge <laughs> of of the way he's sang you know some parts you know that, that we felt that was pretty cool and stuff. But you know man Jorge was a crazy guy. <laughs> it was really hard you know to to be in the same room. I mean he was very uh, energetic you know very up and stuff very different from what we are. You know we are very calm you know on, uh, off stage we like to stay on the tour bus and you know kind of more relaxed and stuff and and of course when you choose somebody it's not only a singer that can sing and you know it's it's like overall like you have to live with that guy and Tour bus and you spend more time with him than in your own family. Basically, you know, when we are touring and working on the album and stuff. But uh, and uh, Jorge, I think will be very difficult for him and us to to get along in a, in a personal level. Not that we hate each other. We we really like each other. He's a great guy, you know. But professionally, I mean, we have to see uh, the overall possibilities and and see beyond. You know that that type of of, of friendship and stuff you know so uh but Jorge was important for us as well you know it was really great also that the step from Davide, Jorge and then Derek that came and really we were sure that Derek was was the right guy for us you know really that to bring something new and exciting and uh and it was great I mean Against was very difficult album for Derek you know it was really (laughs) I can imagine being Derek Green you know (laughs) coming in you know, in the shoes of Sepultura, After Roots, you know all that craziness, and it was really he did great. You know, it was not easy for anyone really to to face what he had to face, and he was a giant from the start. You know, he was a great. Uh, I think we were right <laughs> to choose Derek to to be with us. You know,
0: sure, just emotionally that could crush another person stepping into this. Without
2: no doubt, but I mean, it was the first time we did tours with Metallica, with Slayer. You know, uh, the first Derek, the first concert that we did, big concert, was in Brazil, like for forty thousand people, with a lot of guests and stuff. And he he handled it great. You know, of course, he was really overwhelmed and stuff. But uh, the way he grew up, the way he is today, I mean, it, 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 the process is a fantastic, fantastic way to to see his development and his growing. You know, and I, I think I I. I thought we felt that somehow, you know, that he really could be there for a long time, and we always gave total freedom. You know, he 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 was a part of the band uh, from the start as well. It was a kind of discussion at the time: or should we do, should not we do? I mean, let's go for it. You know, if you if you if you don't go, I mean, we're always going to captivate this kind of doubts. You know. Why I'm not there fully, you know, and uh, especially for, I mean, the way Derek came into the band, you know, he came as a writer as well, of course, like lyricist and, and the front and stuff. And, and we need all the, and he needed, and we also need all the support that we could get, you know, if we are together, let's be together and let's do this shit, you know.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And like you said, it's, it's a relationship more than just a business partnership. So you got to have that kind of vibe. You mentioned, you know, of course, this comes after Roots, which is this huge album for you and also but a very uh, divisive album for Sepultura fans. You know, it was commercially super successful, but maybe some of the more old school fans don't like it or don't like it as much Uh, to me. I love Roots. So I'm a a believer. (laughs) But, you know, Soulfly, the Max Cavalera album after Roots is kind of like Roots part two, which is not disparaging it either because I love Roots. But against is nothing like roots, really. Of I mean, course, it's, yeah. so it, was that a deliberate thing in the sense of did you not like the direction the roots went in at the time? Or you wanted to make sure that you were completely separating yourself from what uh, Max was doing as well?
2: No, I didn't know what Max was supposed to do. You oh, okay. know? How, could I, <laughs> how could, could I go to a different way? You know, we're not even thinking about that. I mean, the way I always saw it was working with the present, with the elements you have in hands. What is Sepultura? A band five years ago, ten years, fifteen, a band before I joined. You know everything is Sepultura, and uh, we have a Sepultura today. Let's work with today. You know we have Derek, we have uh, this management, we have still Roadrunner. They suspended the concert, but they didn't let us go. You know, so we saw that reading as well. Okay, it's a it's a it's something that you have to be shaken, but we're not gonna let you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stay here. <laughs> And then we eventually stayed. We did two albums uh, against and Nation with them. And then eventually we, we went separate ways and et cetera, you know? So um, um I think uh, the idea was really to work with the present. It was really ridiculous. How to copy something that is not there? And each one of us have a different concept of what is the, uh, the Max or what is his voice or whatever, you know? Th- those things change so much, you know? And uh, I think it's, I think actually, Max ran away from the Sepultura spirit, trying to reproduce roots again using the same studio, the same producer, the same mixer, but changing the guitar player, the bass player, and the drummer. That's all he did. You know, I think that I think that was like a a mistake from his part, a very uh, artistical mistake. You know, try to reproduce and try to prove. I did roots by myself. That was basically what he was trying to do, which was but was pathetic, you know. And still today, he has this kind of uh, rhetoric, you know, using that kind of stuff, which is for me, it's uh, it's it's pathologic, you know. So uh, it's something that uh, we were very clear for us. Let's work with what we have. I mean, we are here today. We wake up today to make uh, every day is that we make a new sepultura. There's nothing for granted, you know, uh, nothing. Uh, it's something that uh, we do every day. I mean, the energies today. The idea of the past, of the future is something that we deal with, to, with the present all the time, whatever time is. <laughs> you know, we deal with that with a lot in our lyrics and the concepts, you know, of time and concepts of what is and what if and, and stuff like that. And it's something that uh, we respect at present a lot. And that's why I think we're still here in our best momentum, you know, making great albums with a great label and uh, with the management away from the whole soap opera of uh, relationships and you know all that stuff you know but it's the way that counts you know we're here because we we went through all this way and again like i said it was the most important step in our career because uh, although it was a very mis- uh, misunderstood album at the time because the propaganda was brutal you know <laughs> that uh, of of the competition of Sepultura and Soulfly and all that crap that we we kept away of it because this is not our fight. I mean, we have no fight. <laughs> we have no quarrel with anybody. There's just different choices. And, you know, we stay with the good stuff that Sepultura have to offer, but we also stay with the bad stuff that Sepultura have to deal with, you know, with all the accountants and the contracts and the, the honoring the contract with Roadrunner, honoring shows that we had to cancel and stuff. You know, nobody thinks about that, but we have to restructure everything to, count, to, to find new people to find new accountants, to find new bank accounts, to find out the whole structure, you know? And, um, we're here today. It was a great school for us that we didn't chose to do it, but nevertheless, we had to deal with it, you know, but we are a much better band today because of that era, you know, because of we face what we had to face. We didn't try to, uh, wait for a reunion, <laughs> which is another topic that people are just like dream about. Uh, and it's like, uh, something just because it happens to a few bands it has to happen with us which is ridiculous you know and now we are just in a just different momentum because of against because of that album because of that attitude of really facing the the, the storm you know embracing the storm which is actually a name of a song that we, we did later you know because that's what we did
0: well yeah the way you're describing it now it's, it's very like triumphant and, and like a, a moment of perseverance but the record itself is pissed you guys are very angry on this oh song. yeah Short, fast bursts of just fury. And I think that's what makes it so awesome. And, you know, a little jarring too at first because you're waiting for those grooves of maybe Chaos AD or Roots or something Good. like that. Nick, come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you want to take me by surprise? Yeah,
2: I mean, expectations are very personal. How can you balance that as an artist? I don't work for expectations. Even my expectations are, I, I don't balance that, you know. Uh, depends on the day, you have different expectations. Depends on your mood or, you, or how you feel, you know. And uh, and art is not about expectations. It's about uh, using the moment and expressing the moment. That's all, you know. There's no secret. And uh, that's what we do. I think the Against taught us a lot about that, you know. We, we did many experimentations. We had two producers. We used like three, four different studios in Brazil, in Los Angeles. We were spending the money <laughs> of roots, you know, basically, of the contract that we had. We went to Japan to work with Koda, which was a fantastic experience, you know. Derek stayed in the States working with Howard Benson, working on vocals, you know. So we were very focused, uh, really, to make that happen. And um, and somehow we did it, you know. Uh, it was so difficult. It was mixed emotions, you know, listening to the whole mix and et cetera. Um, but it was great. I mean, it was a time that really... Uh, he opened a lot of new doors for Sepultura and, and that was a blessing, you know, in a way.
0: Well, you mentioned going to Japan, you know, the, uh, the artwork for the album, despite being very still rooted in the tribal aspect of prior albums, has a very Japanese like kanji yeah, mask. Yeah. Uh, where would that idea come from?
2: Yeah, that was something that uh, that we wanted to get away from roots as possible, let's say like that, you know, and really let's work with somebody different, like a per- different percussion. And we love Kodo. You know, even uh, on the Chaos AG tour, I remember going with Igor and some crew people to to see Kodo in Belgium, you know, in a day off and stuff. And uh, that percussive world, of course, when you start using the Brazilian stuff, all the percussion start to seem interesting. You know, African, Cuban, Japanese, and many others. Percussion is very uh, common on any culture, you know. So um, uh, this is something that... uh, we wanted to try We did the Chavantes tribe. We did the carneos Brown, you know, the percussion is very Brazilian and et cetera. Why not go to Japan and challenge ourselves to work with different rhythms and different sounds. And that's what we did. We, we privileged to have the, the condition, you know, to talk to them. And they were very excited to do stuff with us. We went to Japan. We stay a week there, a Sado Island it was an amazing experience. They were great, you know, and, uh, and we did all the recordings there at their, you know their house there, where they live together, and they build their own instruments, and they eat together, and it was amazing. man It was fantastic. It was so inspiring for us to to move away a little bit on all of that what Sepultura is and what's supposed to be, and just be. <laughs> you know, you can you can define that later if you want to define something if you really need a definition. But for us, in artists, when you live in the moment, you don't need definitions. You know, you don't need to define anything. You just need to be, to live and to enjoy the moment. And that's uh, the, the experience, the Kodo experience was uh, a lot like that, you know, move away from everything and, and really be in that Japanese world, which was amazing.
0: And that's what inspired those kind of masks on the cover was just kind of being Definitely. in that environment.
2: Yeah, we go to Japan, you know, uh, we, we eat there, we, we dress like that. You know, we, you 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 learn a lot more about symbolisms and and especially masks you know they have a lot of masks and stuff so Igor was the one really to organize and to arrange the art uh, behind against and stuff he's he's an amazing artist you know amazing drawer and stuff and was his concept you know really to face almost like the two brothers you know (laughs) like uh, facing each other like we see in history so many different uh, aspects and situations like in Rome or the Zildjian symbols, <laughs> you know, you, you see so many different places. And I think against really represent, you know, new new possibilities and new point of views of, of things, you know, could be a reading. Uh, I'm not saying this is the, the definite, you know, uh, uh, intention of the band, but the facing masks, you know, that was an intention, you know, facing something and fighting for something that you believe, you know,
0: well, that's definitely an interesting interpretation of it. I always kind of thought it was like, you know, like the tragedy comedy masks in drama and like theater. There's like the smiling yeah, one and the frowning it one. It is,
2: it is, it is on a way to see it as well. I mean, the balance, we need balance, you know, good and bad, black and white. And in art, of course, I mean, uh, passion and despair, <laughs> you know, uh, exhilaration and desperation. You know, I think the opera really deals with that. Yes, I think it can be in a, you know we're dealing with this facing not with war but with art you know you can read it like that as well
0: how did uh howard benson become involved you know that's kind of a unique producer for well i guess back then it wasn't as much but now he's kind of known for being like this modern rock producer
2: funny man it's it's <laughs> howard came up to be a really good friend uh, he he really embraced the project you know Roadrunner, of course, I mean, we had our budget, but Roadrunner was really tight on where to spend and how to spend, you know. They wanted just to spend Andy Wallace and Ross for Max and, you know, not spend too much uh, for us, like with big names and et cetera. Uh, of course, Howard was working with Motorhead during those days, you know. He produced a few Motorhead albums and we were being managed by Todd Singerman. And Todd Singerman was the guy who really to introduce Howard to us and, and we were, rehearsing at the same space that motorhead kept their equipment you know at the at that studio that famous studio there
0: yeah yeah you're talking about sound city uh dave Grohl did that documentary about it and then it burned down or maybe it burned down and then he did the documentary either way
2: so it was very exciting for us you know lemmy was so supportive of the new lineup you know he was really very supportive about Derek, really positive about it and he was you know we toured with motorhead a lot and let me jam with us, Orgasmatron on stage. So we had kind of really closer relationship. That was just a privilege for us. I mean, Motorhead is Motorhead. You know, how can you, you know say any any more? <laughs> and uh, especially for Sepultura, you know, that he uh, gave the name and and many other things. The the cover we did for Orgasmatron and etc. You know. So uh, and now we have the same management. We kind of have the same crew. A lot of the Brazilian crew from Sepultura end up working with Motorhead afterwards. You know. And that's how we end up working with Howard. Uh, we had a Brazilian producer we wanted to work with, was uh, Carlinhos Bartolini. So we, we divided the production between Howard and Carlinhos. And it's funny to, to to realize that Howard learned about Pro Tools with our Brazilian producer, Carlinhos. You know? Pro Tools was something very new at the time. We work at his house here in Sao Paulo, and then we went to Los Angeles. As I said, we worked different studios, and so we mixed in Los Angeles which was another saga as well, you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but Howard was very important for us to, to give a direction, you know, because Carlinhos Bartolini is a great producer, a great friend, but dude, he's crazy. <laughs> you know, he's like, a, if he let him go, he, he will take months to record like a snare sound, you know, some stuff like that and, and stuff. And, and Howard came and really put more a pace to the recording we were kind of lost as well. It was the first time we were working in this lineup and formation, and and working with new producers. You know, um, in a way, it was great for us. You know, not to have the same vices of the past, but create new ones. <laughs> you know, for the future, it was great. It was confusing. It was difficult. But at the same time, we learned a lot. And Howard was essential to give a north to everything and organize in a way that we could finish an album like Against, because sixteen songs. I don't know how many studios, Japan, and all that stuff. You know, it was really, really difficult, and uh, Howard really suffered <laughs> to organize <laughs> everything with us and everything. And uh, but he was crucial. You know, it was fundamental for to have an album like Against the Way It Is. You know.
0: Sure, sure. No, that makes sense. Well, as frustrating as a time maybe leading up to it is, it's it's a refreshing time for you because you get to kind of redefine the band. You're a fresh start. You know, more exactly, or less. Exactly. Yeah. You're still with Roadrunner. Uh, Monty Connor is still your ANR, like he was with Sepultura before. Not and... really. Oh no. Okay.
2: Yeah, uh, Monty Connor really kind of uh, chose his side, you know, and mm. and we we knew that from the start. I mean, he was really more connected to Max and, and Gloria. We have a lot of restrictions about how Monty Connor interact or interfere, you know, especially in the studio, on on EQing and being on on the producer's head and stuff. We. Actually, personally, I never liked that, you know, uh, that kind of pressure, political pressure. And we knew exactly what we weren't doing in the studio. And we didn't, we didn't need that. You know, we didn't ask for that, more importantly. <laughs> and um, so once, once the rupture happened, you know, I'm sure Monty was ready with a plan for Max there, ready to go, you know. And that's what it happens. It was very quick, right? So Fly did an album really quick after Max left the band. I think everything was really being prepared before even, you know, he left the band. Who knows? But, you know, for us was even better. We didn't have to work with him again, you know. So we started working with Mike Gitter. Mike Gitter was the guy who really, who introduced Derek to us, you know, who was his friend and stuff. And Mike Gitter did an amazing job believing in the new Sepultura without all those idiotic ideas of what Sepultura should be inside Roadrunner office, you know and uh, not really seeing the future but really being attached and locked in the past which was not the feeling of energy or energy we were looking for you know so it was great to work with Mike Gitter. we did two great albums with him uh, uh, against and nation nation was really a, a great development on the band and even on the relationship we had we had with Roadrunner, you know and uh in the end was we we had a new uh, another album uh, because in 1988 we signed a, a 7 album deal with Roadrunner. Who does that? You know, <laughs> only a few Brazilians <laughs> that uh, signed like uh, you know the, the crossroads the, the, the deal with the devil, you know.
0: You would have had one more album with Roadrunner after exactly,
2: Nation. Exactly. Yeah, we had one more album. We did 6 albums with them, one more album. A lot of money involved, you know, because every album we had a, a, a nice extra chunk of money because the content was like that. And peacefully we you know, we don't want that money. I know it's going to be a fucking headache to get the money that we all you know we have the right to it you know but it's with them so we don't want that let us go we would you know part different part ways and and that's what we did no lawyers no fighting no fucking you know uh, all that crap that will drain the energy for both sides you know And and we were very lucky to be free to to go to different label you know and 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 you know f- uh, continue our career in a different house and stuff, which was very healthy for us, and and also we learned a lot, of course, and we still do.
0: So, since you're working still with the label in some capacity, whether it's with Monty or Mike Gitter, what's the kind of feedback that they're giving on the record? Are they excited about a new beginning for Sepultura? Also, or are they into what's what's being? Not processed? really.
2: They oh. didn't like the idea of Sepultura of, uh, having a different singer. You know, they it was all about Max and. And the way Max wanted to portray Sepultura, you know. And that's why they tried to do it on their solo career. Starting with the Fly album, you know, having a, a Brazilian guitar player and all that stuff. And, and then it changed uh, forever. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, so, uh, you know, it, I think it was the wrong approach for everyone there. You know, they really missed the point of what Sepultura was all about. You know, living the present. Yeah. Not trying to, to, to create a, a puppet you know that, that was not real and uh and roadrunner really fought and really spent a lot to, to make that happen you know with max and sofly and and it didn't i mean it, it happened for a while but uh i mean this this kind type of attitude or or planning it has a limitation you know uh if it's not real it's not real and um it was very hard for us you know to work with keep working with roadrunner Using the name of Sepultura, uh, honoring the name of Sepultura and the contract, you know, and um, but they having a totally different idea what Sepultura should be. Uh, of course, Gloria, our manager, uh, had this uh, way of dealing with Roadrunner straight with case vessels, you know, so everything was starting, was came from top built down, you know, easy what Sepultura needed, boom. There's no bureaucracy, let's say, you know. Uh, on the other hand, when we missed this, you know, when we didn't have that anymore, we had the new manager, the whole bureaucratic way, no straight contact with K's and all that stuff, you know. So it was a very different world for us. But nevertheless, we learned a lot how to be on the other side, you know. <laughs> uh, we see how how people really act and the limitations of friendship and professionalism, especially on the people or the record label of the office, you know, people that you talk with your friends and stuff. There's no such a thing, you know, (laughs) it's something that uh, they were there doing their job, you know, Uh, uh, kissing your ass and paying expensive dinners and stuff and make, uh, make you feel the best that possibly can, you know, it's part of their job. And we learned uh, after the hard way that uh, the world is like that. And, And it was great for us, actually, you know, not really believing in the myth of the rock stardom and all that (laughs) crap, you know, and really be with our feet on the ground. We have to deal with people. It really made us stronger, you know, the way we are today. We own to that era, you know, really to, to see more of the realistic idea of what people think about Sepultura. And it really gave us strength, you know, to keep going, actually.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the songs real quick on the album, because I do think this album is great. I feel like maybe I'm burying that lead, that I I really love it. When I first heard it, I was confused by it, maybe. But yeah. as time went on, it's definitely something that I feel like I come back to a lot more.
2: No, that's great. I heard that a lot with people, you know. Actually, at the time it came out, people didn't have a chance. You know, like I said, the, the propaganda was brutal. You know, Headbangers Ball and everything, reading Max Ladder, you know, being very sentimental about putting us as, as the villains you know oh, <laughs> the <right>. whole situation
0: <laughs> when nation came out i was immediately into nation so i don't know what it was about against maybe it was just kind of that growing process for me accepting that sepulter is a different uh, sure, entity yeah. now but the first song that comes out to the public on this album is boycott kind of through some like magazine releases was that what you felt the best representation of this new style was for you
2: um, who knows why we chose boycott? You know? <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> uh, I love boycott, you know I really think it's a great song. also talks about the, the police strike that happened here in Brazil and it's a chaotic situation, very scary actually and it inspired me to write this, this lyrics and the song you know and, uh, uh, I think it's a very strong song that we still when we play today, uh, which is very rare actually. It's great to play live, you know. We did with Derek a few times here and there, you know, it's not actually a totally, you know, forgotten song there, but uh, it is something that uh, we were exploring a little bit of that, uh, of course, the tuning, you know, the low tuning, the the roots type of vibe of of release, single, simple riffs, you know, single notes and stuff like that. And, uh, And we build around this idea and. It's great. I think uh, I'm using my voice as well as a singer. Stuff that uh, is a reminiscence of the demos that I did before Derek came into the band, you know, some stuff stayed and we use on the album And Boycott is one of them.
0: Rumors has kind of the first hint of what we would hear later on with Derek, kind of, you know, doing a, a more soulful singing. Sure. Do you remember that being kind of like an aha moment at the time being like, oh, we can actually do more of this?
2: Yeah, actually, before that, uh, because the, the the demo that we sent for singers to try out, which was "Choke," without we didn't give any directions, no lyrics, no nothing. You know, here's the song, do whatever you want. And Derek came with a lot of, of that middle part, with a lot of melodies, a lot of that type of uh, harmonies in the voice and stuff. And we thought it was very interesting. You know, he had that himself. You know, that possibility. And it showed us that we could develop that even further, you know. So on Against, you have common bonds, for instance, and rumors that have more a clean vocal and stuff, you know, that, uh, um, that he explore a little more, you know, on the album. And, uh, it, it was one of the elements that really made us choose Derek because of that, you know, because he has this possibility as well
0: yeah i just think in retrospect it's so cool kind of hearing that begin because then you know it becomes a big part of the sepultura sound later That's on amazing. this is like the the seed being planted so i thought that was exactly. cool uh floaters in the mud is my favorite song on the album oh, that yeah, song F- is so sick. <laughs> that fight riff in the middle just tearing it up
2: oh man floaters in mud it's a very personal song to me uh that all that intensity. I was still living in Phoenix, you know, the same city, Max and Gloria and all the ex-crew. You know, it was like taking sides, you know, either with Caesar or pompey <laughs> 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 were the same people, you know, the same, but, but uh, you know, I don't talk to this and that. And I remember going to a machine head show, you know, that everybody was there and like that, oh that feeling. I still remember that. And floaters in mud was that, you know. I thought people were just like with their masks, you know, f- faking a normal, perfect life, but floating in, in shit, you know, <laughs> floating in mud on that, that fucking thick air that you could feel, almost could grasp, grab the air, you know. It was, was very intense, man. Kerry King was there as well. You know, I saw him briefly. Also, we had that grudge still, you know. It was kind of weird, man, very weird to see our friends that now we're working on the other side and stuff. Oh, if Gloria, I don't know, I don't want to talk to you, you know, that kind of idiotic kind of fucking division, you know, that uh, still today, some people insist on having, you know, so uh, it's something that is really, you know, I, I used to express on the music and and musically was really going further. You know, I want to really to go and try out whatever without thinking about what Sepultura should be, why this riff is not, uh, you know, it can be on a Sepultura album. I am writing this shit, you know, we are doing <laughs> together. Who is Sepultura anyway? <laughs> you know? So uh, Floaters in Mud was really that, you know, an, an assumption that we, we can do anything really, you know, and uh and really express ourselves with different instruments as Sepultura, regardless where we at, you know, and, and Floaters in Mud was really that experience that I have that night, you know, that really end up being that song.
0: Yeah, it's a great song. I think it does a really good job of bridging those two eras. It sounds like it's got its foot in the past, but, you know, like you said, you were writing (laughs) the songs that I liked before. Of course, yeah. And it also has uh, a progressive, you know, step forward, and it feels like, you know, if I were to, like I mentioned earlier, that Boycott was like the first song that was representing, that's what I would pick, because I feel like it just kind of fully encompasses what was happening right now with you guys. The song Reza has the vocalist for... Ratos de Parraio on it. Yes, Gordo. A big uh, influence on you guys as growing up or just friends that you made over time?
2: Oh, no, it's a, Gordo's our brother, you know. It was really difficult for him because of our rupture, because he loves every one of us, you know, the, the Cavalera brothers and everything. Eventually, he fought with Max because other people were involved or they don't talk to each other for many years, which is a shame, you know, but... Um, Gordo, it's our friend, and he didn't choose sides. You know, Uh, he worked with us like the same he worked with Max. You know, but uh, he was in Brazil, and uh, uh, like I said, we were friends for any situation, not only to make collaborations. But our families know each other. We go to places together. Yeah, I mean, the friendship is really real. You know, for a long time, of course. And uh, it was great to have him to sing in Portuguese. You know, we wanted to to. To have a Portuguese lyric that which he wrote, you know, and that was it, you know, it was jamming together with him, and we made that song together, basically, you know, so it was really cool. Something that uh, it's very original as well, a very different song for either Sepultura and Ratos de Porão, which is really cool, it's even even specialer, you know, and it's a song a lot of people comment about, you know, we should play more of that song. I think it's really a live feeling as well, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that a lot of these songs would be. Good to to be brought back. You know, just try them out. It's been 20 plus years. and give them a, give them That's a shot. True,
2: yeah, we just put it out of the, the box set, you know, without the vinyl and, and everything. So it's a good chance that we can bring some of the obscure <laughs> songs that we don't play for so many years. You know?
0: Kama Itachi is a instrumental on the album, but a version does exist with Mike Patton, who, of course, was also on Roots. So is he a yeah. part of this? Is that left over from that session or he's a part of these sessions as well?
2: Oh no! That uh, once Mike heard our demos and or the album actually because uh, I don't remember. Yeah, when we were I think finishing the, the, the mixing part and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think Igor showed uh, Mike Patton the album and he heard Kaimatachi, which is the song we did with Kodo, and he flipped. You know, he loved the song. He said and he begged, oh, please, let me write a, a lyric for the song. Let's let me put vocals on it. You know, it's fucking great." And of course we said yes, <laughs> you know? So we we went uh, in, a, in LA for an afternoon with him and he he wrote the lyrics and recorded his vocals and we put in an extra, you know, release and stuff. And, uh, uh, originally, wasn't we didn't intend to have vocals on it, you know? It was just like instrumental to really to put the percussion in first on uh, more important thing, you know? But uh, of course, Mike Patton is, is Mike Patton, man. He's a genius, you know? He's a a good friend and he can do anything with his voice and very creative. And uh he loves Sepultura. So it was really intense, you know, was his wish to be there and uh, you cannot beat that, you know, he's not a manager saying, Oh, you have to do this with Sepultura, you know? Oh, okay, let's do the shit. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> it was really, you know, intense. And he really wanted to do that. And it was really cool. I mean, very special.
0: Yeah. It's awesome. Because the thing is, is the, his appearance on roots, I feel like didn't really, showcase his uh his skills that much as much as i'd like it and then through the waste. his version of Kamaitachi is like what i wanted a sepulcher, tour of my exactly. collaboration to be, yeah, so.
2: because he had more time you know i mean he was really more into it uh he did by himself basically the lyrics uh, on roots was too many opinions if you know what i mean you know like uh was like i'll go here go there and stuff was you know but on on the uh, kama Itachi, or the Waste. Um, was was more focused. You know, he had more time really to develop and and try out ideas and was more... It was better to work like that, you know?
0: So there's also Hatred Aside on here, which I know you guys recently redid for the Simple Corta album. Yeah. The the version on Against has Jason Newstead, who was, of course, the producer of Echo Brain. And I think that's all he ever did, right?
2: Yeah, that's it, right? Another band from, I don't know, Metal something
0: somewhere in California. Yeah. Some Californians, <laughs> uh, he did all right before that, but, um, was that another situation where he kind of heard what you guys were doing and wanted to be a part of it?
2: Uh, I met Metallica when I, I tried out to, to play James Hetfield's parts when he burned his arm, you know, when on the tour with guns and roses, right. Metallica opened uh, auditions, you know, and, um, Phil Rind from Sacred Reich was really good friends from Jason Newsted and Phil Rin told Jason that I could play Metallica a lot and I love Metallica and etc so they gave me that chance you know I went to Denver where they were having practices and and I jammed with them I got second place John Marshall got the job <laughs> <laughs> but it uh, was an amazing experience you know since today I I, I still friends with them we we started a, a really great friendship especially with Jason Newstead. We did many demos together and stuff. And from that those demos, we went to his house in San Francisco at the Chop House Studios, you know, and we we did Hate for the Size there. The same way we did demos, I did demos together with him and Tom Hunting and, and Gary Holt, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, and um and out of friendship really and admiration, of course, Metallica, you know, he really loved Sepultura as well. Uh, he also came from Phoenix, flotsam and Jetsam, you know we, we met all those guys where we end up to be friends and stuff. So we kind of uh, created this Brazilian Finnish, and <laughs> Phoenix atmosphere <laughs> with Metallic and et cetera. you know so it was really cool. I went to Jason's house many times, many weekends, you know to, to create bands out of nothing. It was really cool because I arrived there on Thursday night and left on Sunday and we created a band, a name, a logo a demo tape with three songs and a cover. <laughs> That's what we did. It was really cool. I have like a four or five different demos with Jason and different musicians that we kind of created music out of nothing there, you know? It was great exercise. We had a great, uh, a well-equipped equipped studio, of course, many instruments and stuff. And and Hate for the Sight came from that, you know, from that atmosphere to go there and create out of nothing. And we created Hate to the Sight writing the lyrics at this kitchen, you know? And uh, going to the studio, try out riffs and stuff. It was really cool, man. It's great.
0: Yeah, I know the album ends with an instrumental, but Hatred Aside feels like a really cool bookend to the opener of Against, because they're both, you know, those piss songs. But Hatred Aside almost feels like a finishing of the thought that the song Against starts, you know, because it's kind of ends abruptly.
2: That's very true. I mean, um, once again, it wasn't planned that way, but uh, it makes sense totally, definitely. It's... Uh... The roller coasters of, of emotions, you know. <laughs> and, uh, it's true, man. I mean, and, and hate is something that it can be on the way of, of uh, to see clear, you know. Revenge and trying to po- prove a point for nothing, you know. So hate the side, I think, it is the momentum again. You know, we were there working together as friends. Sepultura and Metallica together. For me, it was such an honor, you know, a privilege. For all of us, of course, you know. And uh, having Jason there supporting this new phase of Sepultura, like Lemmy did, you know, was two great uh, names, two great people that uh, really were very, very important for us to keep going. I think we will make a lot more difficult without their support, for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're feeling this kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, abandonment by certain people, right? So to have that close-knit of people that you do know are supporting you. Definitely. And finally, we got "Choke." You know, that's the single. That's the song you guys still play off this album pretty regularly. What is it that's about the, that song that you you love so much that you still play it?
2: Well, that's the song that gave us Derek. You know, that's the song that we, one of the first songs we wrote together as a trio. You know, uh, really, spontaneously on on practice room as well. You know, myself, Paulo, and Igor, working in San Diego from from zero, like we were starting a new band. You know, it was it was very scary, but at the same time, it was very exciting, you know. Uh, and Choke has that feeling of, uh, you know, Igor and Paulo training with the graces. You know, they were very much on the, the jiu-jitsu stuff. And uh-huh. we came with that kind of feeling, you know, that kind of uh, fighting, that struggle, you know, really to not to give up. You know, even if you dare, like, you know, don't tap. <laughs> you find a, find a solution, you know, you find a way out. And uh, Choke, I think, talks about that. The first song, Derek came with that song and he he helped to put that song, uh, to be, to make that song ready for the album, you know, let's say. And Choke is very special for us. I mean, it's still a very, it's a very well balanced song, it's still today, you know. Even though we were in a momentum completely, it was the first time writing without Max and you know, trying to know each other again, you know, between me, Igor and, and Paulo, and, and really see new possibilities for each other, you know, f- especially myself and as a writer, you know, everything started from the guitar basically and now I didn't have a partner there, you know. So Igor came to be that partner, more close partner of, of music ideas and try to develop cells and stuff like that, you know, so uh, it's um, Choka, it, it's all that, you know, the, the beginning of everything,
0: you know. So it was the first song you guys wrote for this album? That was the first song you wrote as I a trio? think as a so, trailer? yeah.
2: I think so. As far as I remember, yes. Common Bonds was also uh, one of the first songs that we tried out. Uh, and Choke and Common Bonds, I think that was the, the two ones. Old Earth as well. You know, those three kind of came on the, uh, the same era, let's say, the beginning of it all.
0: And you're saying that uh, the Gracies in that Attitude video are not just a gimmick that Members of the band are into jujitsu. They they practice.
2: They were, yeah, not to, not anymore. But Paulo and Igor were very into it at the time. You know, on the roots tour, we had a fucking uh, instructor, jiu-jitsu instructor, on the road with us. Oh, wow. a, I mean, you're talking about rock stardom. You know, yeah. <laughs> we have a special in, uh, jujitsu instructor just to you know to to be with Paulo and Igor to make their lessons. Uh, now now you ask me if a lesson happened on tour. Of course not. The instructor drank more than the band itself. <laughs> it was great. Man.
0: Was it uh, one of the Gracies? Were they on the no, one? No,
2: no. Oh. I mean, from, from the Gracie Academy, but okay. uh, uh, Brazilian, but not actually from the family, but um, uh, an actual instructor, of course. You know.
0: So Howard Benson, at the same time that he's producing you guys, is producing this... Kind of rap rock punk band called Zebrahead.
2: Zebrahead, yes.
0: And they are actually on the background vocals of the opening track. Yes. So, did you guys have any interaction with Zebrahead?
2: Yeah, the day of the recording, yeah, that was great. Also, they came to a, one of our concerts when we present ourselves as Troops of Doom. When we did three shows before, uh, the first three shows with Derek actually, we just invited friends and stuff was. It was really crazy. And I think they were there as well and stuff. And they were a part of the album as a extra backup. You know, Howard knew them. They were working together and stuff. And Howard, you know, invited them. And it was really quick, actually. It was really cool. And I remember seeing them on backstage afterwards a few times.
0: So you guys did shows billed as Troops of Doom leading up to... The album just kind of like his test show, like when you did Third World Posse for
2: uh, exactly. Uh, yes, we played at the Break by Break in San Diego it was our first show ever. We played in Los Angeles at the Orange County somewhere and the House of Blues as well in, okay. uh, in Anaheim. And um, it was very, it was tough, man. A lot of friends, Ross Robinson was there and stuff. You know, it, it, it was cool. In the end, was very positive. You know. We didn't have to prove anything to anyone, but at the same time, we have a lot to prove to everyone, you know? It was a weird situation. But, but you know, it was cool. It was a great beginning. It was a great three shows, you know, and uh, we were on the right track, you know, we felt.
0: Was there conflict with the mixing process? You kind of uh, alluded to it earlier, That's <gasps> <not to> a <laughs> give you PTSD. Yeah, the
2: mixing process was a saga, man, because Carlos Bartolini, the other producer from Brazil, had uh, Bill... Bill Kennedy. So Bill was this guy that uh, was a crazy guy, but he worked with ministry before, you know, that type of of craziness, gothic. I don't know how you call that. but uh,
0: Industrial music?
2: Industrial type of vibe, you know. But uh, for some reason, he was not ready, you know. Probably he had some problems with his health or he was taking some medicine or something. He didn't know how to deal with the, the board, you know, which kind of was kind of a modern board, uh, I have to admit. But, dude, don't say you want to do it and choose the studio if you don't know how to deal with the fucking studio, you know? <laughs> and Howard was like fucking flipping out, man. I, it was funny actually to see Howard like so pissed off, you know, walking around. What the fuck? And then we eventually we got the, the, the mixer, Steve, uh, for the album. That he did like very quickly, he grasped what the album was all about. It was confusing. There was one track there. There was sixteen guitar tracks. You know, don't ask me why. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then he uses two tracks, and that was great. You know, so uh, so Steve was really there to really made it happen. And when he came into the, the the project, everything really felt in place. You know,
0: fell in place. What do you like more about Against than you do Nation?
2: I think on Nation. We try a little harder to do more of a Sepultura album, you know, if you know what I mean. Try maybe to please the label a little bit, or I don't know what we're trying to do, basically, you know. Uh, I think Against was more freedom, chaotic freedom, which was great, <laughs> you know. was really very positive in the end, you know. Learn how to deal in chaos, how to think in chaos, how to to, to breathe during chaos, you know. This is something that you learn only in chaos. <laughs> you don't have a classroom that you're going to do that or you're going to learn. You, you you learn doing it. In that respect, against was a lot more freedom, you know, to really deal with the stuff and and not be attached to concepts and preconcepts, you know. Maybe on Nation we tried a little too hard, uh, which is not, is not make the album worse or better, you know. I also don't measure those things. but. Uh, But I think Against was a little more freedom, really, more chaotic freedom, which was, in the end, very positive.
0: Freedom in Chaos, the story of Against. Truly one of my favorite Sepultura albums, so hopefully knowing more about it now will encourage you to dive back on in. And there's no better time to do that because on October 22nd, 2021... Sepultura is releasing a box set entitled Seppel Nation*: the studio albums, 1998 to 2009. And hey, guess what? Against came out in 1998, so it's included. As well as Nation, Roarback, Revolu Songs, Dante 21, and A-Lex. All back on vinyl for the first time in over a decade, half-speed cut and remastered on 180 grams. And what does half-speed cut mean? I don't know. I think it means you should take half as much time to order it now. You can get it on Amazon.com or at your local record store starting October 22nd. It's also available as a CD version, so maybe you don't want vinyl. Maybe you still want to put it in the old Dodge Durango on the six-disc changer, and you can put all six discs in. You can have the whole changer. But that is the show. Thanks so much for hanging out. There are other Sepultura episodes in the archives on Roots and Chaos AD, as well as future episodes coming out on Nation. But lots of cool albums and stories throughout the entire Meat Meep catalog. So please, do yourself a favor and check it out. You're not doing it for me. I just want what's best for you. But in the meantime, my name is Ryan Rainbro. This is Meat Meep. And yes, that's the best that I could come up with. Bye.